0: So I'm going to get right to the message. Have a wonderful day. First Kings chapter 18, verse number 17. It's custom to stand for the reading and the reverence of the word of God here. Life changers. So when you get that stand to your feet, if you would. As we reverence the word of God. First Kings, I'm going to be reading. I'm going to go old school on you tonight. I'm going to be reading out of King James Version. Praise God. And so uh, tonight, I believe that God is going to move. I believe that God is going to heal. Come on, somebody. How many believes that? Surely you didn't come to church just to get entertained. Amen. Praise God. And uh, surely you got dressed, you came to church because because you're looking to go deeper, amen, with your relationship with God. That's what church is for, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And God has established and built you to become the new temple. Look at your neighbor and say, the new temple. Amen. Amen. He wants you to be the new temple to distribute his word. Amen. So 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 17. Are y'all ready? And it came to pass... When Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Are thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send, and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty. Listen, if, you, if, if, if you're reading no school out of your Bible, just mark, mark this right here. The prophets of Baal, Baal four hundred and fifty. And the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. Let's go down to the 30th verse. I'm going to tie all these together. And Elijah said unto the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Let's go now to the 41st verse. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the, upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up, and he looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up, saying to Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black and the clouds and wind and there was a great rain. Look at your neighbor and say great rain. rain. (coughs) And there was a great rain and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Dear gracious heavenly father, we come in this place tonight. Father, we are ready, Lord, to see the move of God. Lord, we want the reign of the Holy Ghost. We want the reign of the power of God to move in this house tonight and to move upon our lives. And we ask you, Lord, that you bless those that are in this place and you touch their lives, that when they walk out of here tonight, Heavenly Father, Lord, that they didn't just sit in an ordinary service, they didn't just hear a preacher, but the hand of God moved upon their lives and touched their lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Give two people a high five and just tell them amen. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Neighbor. tell your trouble trouble. it's fixing the rain. rain. Look at your other neighbor, I mean the one that that, that, that believes you. Say, "Neighbor, neighbor, tell your trouble It's fixing the rain. rain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. There's something about the power of rain. There's something about the glory of God. Amen. And listen, listen, God's going to send forth a rain. And I'm going to tell you right now that the rain that's coming in this generation, the church has got to meet the criteria and the condition for the rain to come. God's not just going to pour out a rain upon a body of people who just says, Lord, I want it to rain. He wants the church to get into that place where the heart is conditioned. He wants the church to find a place where the criteria of the church is where it needs to be. Because right now, I see a lot of things going on in the world, and if the church don't grab a hold of it, they're going to wind up going out with the world. Because the thing about it is, is God wants, God wants us to come together as a united place. And the thing about it is, is we see all of these things going on. We think, well, well preacher, how in the world can we be united with all of this stuff going on? Let me tell you something. It's because if all that stuff wasn't going on, then, then you wouldn't have no reason to try to be united. And, and God wants us to come into that position and in that place or where we understand, listen to me, everybody's got a difference, okay? But, 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 but we have to understand just because somebody worships different, just because somebody goes to another church that, that doesn't have a name like yours or, or because somebody's in another denomination, that doesn't give us a reason to divide. That means that we must come together and unify together and become one. The Bible says in this passage of Scripture right here, I like this because there is so lot, uh, a whole lot here, amen. And, and 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 I tell y'all, every week I'm going to teach. And one of these days, I'm going to surprise you. And I'm just going to teach, praise God. But Elijah is called, the Bible doesn't say in this part of Scripture how long did it had not rained. It doesn't give you an answer or doesn't say how many years or whatever had had it not rained. But Jesus comes in and he says it like this. He said when there was a drought, he said and when Elijah was in the drought and it did not rain and Jesus said for three years and six months, he said there was only one widow woman that Elijah was sent to. Out of all the widow women in the whole nation inside that drought, the Bible says Jesus speaks up. So he tells us it was three and a half years. So Elijah goes in a process of three and a half years and he gets to a place and God says, it's time. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time. I know sometimes you're going through some stuff, and I know sometimes it's hard, and I know sometimes you're 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 you you spend more time complaining about your situation. Listen to me. Complaining about your situation. Everybody say I love the preacher. <laughs> say it again, say I love the preacher. You're complaining about your situation. You're complaining because gas prices up, but you're driving more than you did. Come on. Uh oh. We complain about all of this stuff that's going on, but still yet, we're not seeing the hand of God upon our lives. I need to tell somebody right now that God has chose you. You've been to hell and back. You should have died in the car wreck. You should have lost your mind. You should have never been here. You should have never got out of the penitentiary. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you right now that God has picked you up. He has handpicked you. He has gotten you ready for this certain situation and the enemy is trying to distract you and keep your mind totally, completely off of the calling upon your life. You'll never have a good calling unless, unless you've ever been in a good fight. Come on, somebody. I mean, in order to learn how to fight good, you gotta be beat up real good. And then you say, I don't take another whooping like that. Ain't nobody gonna walk me like that again. Then you learn how to fight inside of that. And sometimes you go through those battles and you get up and you're you're like, man, Lord, what just happened? And God says, I bet you don't want to do that again. <laughs> and so and so Elijah's going to this place and God says it's time. Listen to me. God says it's time. All the way up to this point, it looks like Elijah is hiding. It looks like he's hiding, but listen, he's not hiding. God had just moved him over into the brook. I'm going to tell you something right now. Over into a little old brook. I'm talking about just a little old flow of water that's coming up. And God has called the ravens to feed him. Listen to me. The ravens is one of the nastiest birds on the face of the earth. Well, I don't know if God can use so-and-so. Hey, shut up. If God can use a donkey, if God can use a raven, come on, somebody. If God can use a fish to bring money, if God can use a chicken with a brain that big, come on, somebody. Then God can use people. We need to sit back and quit being divided about it and listen to what God's saying. Elijah's in this position. He's over there and he's sitting there. And I mean, he's just all reclined back. He's eating his food that them nasty birds are bringing him. And he's drinking water while everybody else is trying to figure where the water is at. The donkeys are dying. The cows are dying. Everything's dying. And now you got Ahab and Jezebel and they're running around. They're telling everybody, oh, everything's going to be great in our kingdom. Praise God. Everything's going to be good in our kingdom. Follow us. This is what's going to happen. And before you know it, there's a shortage. Before you know it, then all the boats in China is going to be blocked. (laughs) up. Praise God. And before you know it, all these things will be going on. Hallelujah. And it's going to come out. And they're going to wind up saying, we're not going to live like this. We're not going to go like this. There was something else that's going on. And so about that time, praise God, Elijah gets up one day and the ravens never stopped coming. The Bible said that the ravens didn't go away. They kept coming. But one day, the brook dried up. let me tell you something. When the water quits being water, you start changing. When the water isn't there anymore, you're not going to eat anymore. You need water. We need water. That's why the Bible, the representation of the Holy Spirit is always water. That's why the Bible says that out of heaven, he's seen a great throne and a river roll, moving through it. Praise God. But one day the birds kept coming, but the brook dried up. And when the brook dried up, then Elijah said, okay, God, I hear you. What do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go over to Jezreel. Listen to me. Jezreel. Elijah's thinking, dude. Dude. You got to be, you got to be crazy. That's the home of Jezebel. This, that's the reason I'm over here right now because that crazy woman is trying to kill me. And God said, but I want you to go back there because there is a widow woman that I have already told her I'm going to sustain her, listen to me, and I'm going to use you. Did you know you got up this morning, praise God, and God has already given somebody else a promise and said there's a miracle coming and he's going to use you and you're too stubborn, you're too fed up with you, come on somebody, you're too stuck on yourself and to all this and that you don't even realize that when you woke up this morning, God is pointing you to help somebody, to move in somebody's life, praise God, God is going to use you to do amazing things, but we're so jacked up on what's going on in our life. We're so jacked up on the relationships that ain't there no more. We're so jacked up because a bank account ain't got all the money in it no more. We're so jacked up about everything else. And we get up, we get up worrying and we go to bed worrying. Come on somebody. I know I'm talking to somebody in here tonight. We go to bed worrying and we get up worrying. In the middle of the day, we can't get nothing done because all we're doing is worrying. I need to tell somebody quit. Worrying. Don't worry no more. If God be for you, then who can be against you? And if He's on your side, there's no sense in worrying. <laughs> Somebody was talking to me the other day, and they was worried and worried and worried and worried. And I listened to him for about 30 minutes, and everything was worried. And I was in a hurry, and I need to go somewhere. And I said, "Hey, I'm gonna tell you something. In about five minutes it's gonna change your life. And you gotta listen to me." He said, all right. I said, you know what? God is for you, and if God is for you, and if you're in covenant with God, then turn it over to him and walk the other way, and don't worry about it. That's just simple logic. And we know this kind of stuff, but at the same time, we're trying to figure out where our relationship is with God. And that's what the that's where the enemy comes in. He starts saying you ain't close enough to God. Well, well, you know you ain't as close as brother Brown. <laughs> You ain't as close as Sister Linda. Well, you know, you don't do, you know, you you, you got to do more. If you want God to answer your prayers, uh, then you got to live like this. Let me tell you something. Uh, the only thing that you got to do is accept the blood of Jesus. Uh, and when it, uh, when it comes into your life, you let the blood of Jesus cleanse you. Don't let the church cleanse you. My God, I'm preaching now. Hallelujah. Don't let the church cleanse you. Uh, don't let the church tell you what you can and you can't do. Uh, the closer you get to God, uh, the things that you're doing uh, that's hindering your prayers uh, God will remind you, uh, and it'll leave off of you. Come on, somebody. But when the church is too busy pointing their finger about this is what I look like, this is what we got to do, and if you ain't doing it like this, uh, then you ain't doing it. Uh, honey, let me tell you something. Uh, everybody needs to understand uh, that you have to have your relationship with God uh, and moving into that position uh, and moving into that place. Uh, let God reel them in. Yeah. Elijah goes to the widow's house, and we all know the story there, and she makes him a cake, and he eats, and there's no water. And he comes there, and she tells him, she says, I'm going to make a cake for me and my son. We're going to eat this, and then we're going to die. Elijah never said, will you make me one? No, because he's still full from the raven's food. But he says something so significant. In the middle of a drought, he says, Can you bring me some water? Isn't it funny how God wants you to do something that you cannot do? Listen, God will never ask you to do something that's easily done because, because then you don't need His help. But God will also, uh, 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 often call you and ask you to do something that is completely strange to you and completely out of the whack for you. Praise God. some people says, well, if you can't do it, then God's probably not asking. Let me tell you something God wouldn't ask you to do something that you could already do, but He's asking you to do something that that's inside of you that's already there and you don't know it's there but he's wanting you to reach out with faith and step out with faith and say you know what I am more than just a Christian that's sitting in a church and warming a pew I am the house of God I am the temple of the almighty I got royal blood pumping through my veins I'm not going to sit here until I die I'm not just going to pay taxes and then die and then go up in the rapture I'm going to give the devil a bloody nose." Every day of my life when I get up I'm going to bring people in closer I'm going to get the ones nobody thought would ever serve him and I'm going to pull them in and so he goes and when he gets done with a widow woman after she throws a fit but she obeys see you can throw a fit and still obey did you know that yeah, most of y'all do. Y'all like, yeah, that's me, Pastor. I've been throwing a fit, but I did it. But but let me tell you, Isaiah 1 and 12 says it like this. If you're willing and obedient, listen, listen, listen. Then you shall eat the good of the land. Some of y'all's not eating the good of land because, because you're not willing, but you are obedient. And when you get into that place to where you become willing and obedient, It will be amazing. You know, people gripe all the time about their finances. They gripe about their finances. They gripe about this. They gripe about their, 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 their house payments. They, they, they gripe about how much their the food prices has went up. And they gripe and they gripe and they gripe. And, 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 and God's trying to tell them to do something. And they're too busy gripping. They just say, oh, all right, well, I'll do it. I don't want to, but I'll do it. And at the same time, they're not getting what the kingdom of God wants you to get. So Elijah goes through this process. He steps out and the Bible, all of a sudden the Bible says, now go show yourself to Ahab. He's been running from Ahab. Now go show yourself to Ahab. And the Bible says uh, that Ahab went one way. You can read that part of Scripture. Ahab went one way. The Bible says Obadiah went another way. uh, And Obadiah was one of the men that held 50 uh, prophets or 100 prophets, uh, 50 each in a cave uh, and fed them bread and water uh, during this time. uh, Because the Bible as I told you, uh, most of us look at it and we say, yeah, I remember that day uh, when Elijah killed 400 prophets of Baal. uh, But he really killed uh, 850 prophets. Listen to me. uh, Because there was 400 prophets of Baal that I read to you at the First of it. And then there was four hundred and fifty of the grove. You know what the grove was? Here's what the grove was. There was the, the temple of Baal and there was a temple of God. And because an evil king had got in and, and, and decided, because Ahab decided, well, I want to please my wife. That's a good idea. But anyway, I want to please my wife. And so and, and 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 so Ahab, he took and said, Well, why don't we just build a, a temple for Baal? And why don't we just build a temple For God. And then what we'll do is we'll just plant some trees It's called groves in the middle of it. And so that the people serving God, when they look over at Baal, all they see is the trees. My God, America's jacked up. We're going to church. There's a bunch of groves up in between us for what's going on on the other side there was 450 prophets that the nation of Israel thought they was for God but they was lying they were sitting at Jezebel's table taking the money taking kickbacks uh, and doing everything she's so going going into the temple and not living a righteous life uh, and a holy life uh, and so Elijah steps up and he said I've had enough of it uh, I want you to bring me 400 prophets of Baal uh, and bring me 450 that sit at the table of Jezebel of uh, the prophets of the groves uh, because we're going to purge the land uh, I know you don't like to hear that uh, but Elijah said, we're going to purge the land. Come on, somebody. Sometimes uh, there's some purging got to going on. Uh, come on. Uh, sometimes you got to uh, uh, kill your flesh. Uh, sometimes you got to purge your flesh. Uh, sometimes uh, you got to purge some things around you. Uh, and Elijah stepped up uh, and he said, before we go any further, we're going to purge the land of God. Uh, I want you to bring me all of them uh, and bring them to me. Listen. As he begins to get, y'all know the story. I preached it several times in here. He lets Ahab and all his men get the auction. And as they put all of the sacrifice upon the altar, he lets them call out and scratch themselves and bleed all over the place and scream until the horse. And they can't hardly move. And their God ain't done nothing. And after everything was over with, Elijah stood up and the first thing he did was said, let's repair the altar. Now listen to me, in this time, Israel was divided there was a northern kingdom called Israel and there was a southern kingdom called Judah, and it was divided. The north and the south. Almost sound like America, don't it? Praise God. The north and the south. And at that time Elijah stood up. It was divided. And the north was saying, won't you come over and build my altar? And the south was saying, come over and build my altar. And so Elijah stood up and he stood in the middle of it and he said, I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take God's side because I don't care what party you affiliated with, come on somebody, I don't care whether you're a Democrat or Republican, I'm a kingdom party and there is only one altar, we're not going to take two altars, my God, we're not going to take two altars, we're going to build one altar, and the Bible said Elijah stood up and he repaired the altar, that word repaired in Hebrew means healed, that's where we get the word Rapha from, Jehovah Rapha, the healer. That word repair means he healed the altar. He built it back and he told the north and the south. He said, get over yourselves. We're not going to come in here and be divided. Listen, Listen, there's an election coming up and some of y'all is going to vote one way and some of y'all is going to vote another way. But how dare you come into the house of God and bring that kind of nonsense in here because don't you know we are a kingdom-minded people? We are not governed by whoever's in the White House. We're governed by who sits on the throne of God and our God and your God. He still reigns. He don't need a man. He don't need a woman. He don't need a church or a diamond. He just needs your praise and your glory. If you want to see the world get united, then the church needs to get united. He steps up. The Bible says the first thing he does was he takes 12 stones. Now, the number 12 is very significant because we see it throughout the Bible. We understand that 12 means government, leadership, leadership. The Bible said Jesus had 12 disciples. They said that there's a group of men in the army, whether it's Navy or, or Army or whatever they call themselves, different names, Army is, is uh, Green Berets, Navy is the SEALs and stuff like that. But they got some elite men who they train. And they train them over and over. They get into their mind and they put them through all kinds of stuff. They want us to make sure that their mind is ready for battle. They don't want them to break. And when they train these men, usually they take a handful, usually about 12, and send them out to do a task. They don't need 500. These men are elite. There are 12 men can do more than 600 regular men. They've been trained. They've been ready for the battle. So when it's time to go, so Jesus took 12 elite men. Somebody hear me. He took 12 elite men and he trained them for three and a half years. And he said, he said, when it's all over, it's said and done. I want you to be able to stand what nobody else can stand. I want you to be able to stand the forces of evil. I want you to teach your families. I want you to spread it all over the world. I'm going to give you everything that I got. I'm going to train you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to demonstrate in front of you. The problem with the church today is we're not demonstrating We want signs and wonders, but everybody sitting in the church today, all they're seeing is flashing jack and lights and all the fancy stuff. Come on, somebody, we need to see the signs and the wonders again. I would that our church today would train up men and women and show them what it looks like to fast. Show them what it looks like to come to revival every day of the week for about two months. Come on, somebody, and show them what it feels like to pray uh, until your gut hurts, uh, until you lose your voice, uh, cry until you got no more tears. Uh, I would that the church uh, would demonstrate to the younger. Amen. But we're too busy fake booking it. <laughs> Trying to look the part. We're too busy wanting everybody else to think that their life It's just wonderful. That picture you saw on Facebook, let me tell you something. They probably had the worst fight they ever had just before that picture. And they probably said, hey, let's straighten up now. Let's make everybody think we're perfect. And probably just before that picture was snapped, they probably had the worst fight ever. Everything crumbled. But still yet, the thing about it is, is we are living in the world where the church now, we're not, we're not thinking about the people behind us. All we're thinking about what we are going through. Come on, somebody. You're not going to church just for what you're going through. You're going to church because of your children and because of your grandchildren. And we need to make it a better place. We need to make sure we don't lose church. I don't know about you, but about two two years ago, we almost lost church. About two years ago, they shut the church down. About two years ago, the church bought in to the propaganda. The sun virus could kill us all. But don't you know that the king of kings and the lord of lords, he hung on Calvary's Hill and his blood was good enough for coronavirus. then over 2,000 years ago he said I'm going to bleed and die for 2,000 so we bought into it we bought into it because I believe that half the church half the church not all of them not us but half the church was too busy looking the par. You talk to people today, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about my kids, Tanner Lane. I know they're not heads, they really are not heads at sometimes. But I'm going to tell you something right now. They didn't just come to church and see daddy pray. They saw mom and daddy pray at home. Not only did they see mom and daddy pray at home, but they stood with us while we prayed. Every day of their life, as soon as they got in school, they didn't walk out that door until we held hands and prayed. I'm telling you right now, they knew. They knew that mom and daddy prayed. They knew it wasn't just something that they did in church, but they knew it was something they did all the time. We read together. Praise God, we had Bible studies together and things. And I'm telling you right now, I'm so thankful for the seed that sold into their lives I'm so thankful for the love of God and yes they've been tempted and yes they're not all angels men and a mama thinks they are and if y'all know any stories just write me a letter I'd like to hold it against them praise God but but we have to understand that in this generation if we're going to get if we're going to defeat what's going on right now we got to train up the ones that are behind us that number 12 very significant. Number 12 is very, very, very significant. The Bible said there was 12 disciples. The Bible said there was 12 judges. The Bible said that Jesus came into a town and he healed a woman of a blood disease for 12 years and then turned right around when he got done with her and healed a 12-year-old girl. You can see it all through the Bible. There is a significance to the number 12 that God is doing something. He's raising up leadership. And if we don't take a hold of it, if we don't see if we don't pray if we don't fast if we don't get a hold of God then the thing that we call church is going to leave us and all we're going to be is just a glorified denomination that's coming to church looking good he said he put 12 stones and then the Bible said that he put two measures of seed listen I'm coming too close. I'm trying to get this. Listen, he put two measures of seed. One measure of seed equals to eight quarts, or some scholars say it would be 144 medium eggs. And he put two measures. Listen to me. He put two measures. If you look into Revelation, the Bible talks about the 144,000. And for many years, the church got all stupid crazy. thought, well, how many believes there only 144,000? That's not even what it's talking about. But the Bible said that he chose. And there was 144,000. Listen to me. He went down and he picked out 12 men from every tribe and from every tribe until the generation until now. The Bible said that God's got an elite army. Come on somebody. He's got an elite army of 144,000. It's never talking about only 144,000 going to make it. If you read on down, the Bible said that he stood in front of the throne and he saw a number that he could not even count or measure. And he said, who are those? And he said, those are the ones who has washed it. Ah, who has washed himself white uh, and in white robes. Come on, somebody. But the 144,000 is the elite army that God's getting ready uh, to wreak havoc uh, on the enemy. Uh, and I want you to know right now, uh, the Bible said uh, he put two measures of seed. God said, uh, I'm going to take from this generation and this generation. And then he poured water on it. Then he said, do it again. They poured more water on it. Then third time he said, do it again. They poured more water on it. Then he pulled out a lighter and lit it. <laughs> he stood back. And he said, Lord, I prepared the sacrifice for you. Now I'm asking That my God speak with fire? The Bible said that the power of God began to move and a fire come out of heaven. And the Bible said that it consumed the sacrifice. And then it took the water and licked up the water. And it was dry. Some people says, well, how does rain happen? I'll tell you. Meteorologist Roger Brown is going to tell you. (laughs) What happens is, is when there's a lot of heat on the ground, it begins to rise into the moisture, and when it gets up into the air with the condensation, it causes these clouds and it rains. Listen to me, listen to me. God said it's about to rain. Look at your neighbor and say, Tell your trouble. It's fixing the rain. It's fixing the rain. I'm going to tell you something right now. God took that sacrifice, He took that water that He poured in there, He licked it up, took it up to heaven, and He sat over there, and all of a sudden, Elijah, Elijah went over after He killed 850 men. I don't know about you. That Wear me out. He killed 850 men of the prophets of Baal Baal, and also four hundred and fifty of the prophets of the grove that took the kickbacks. Let me tell you something right now. Them preachers and them ministers and them churches that are taking the kickbacks and just telling people it's all right to live any way you want. It's all right for a man and a man and a woman and a woman. It's all right to kill your baby in your womb. Come on, somebody. I'm gonna get a lot of slack for this, but I'm gonna stand up and tell. you better live what is right and those of you that are sitting and taking kickbacks from Jezebel under the prophet's table God's raising up a man of God Ah, he's raising up a church that's going to call you out and they're going to destroy every evil work you're doing in your life he Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, tell your trouble, it's fixing the rain. I read you right off the bat, Ahab said, are you the man that's called trouble? Elijah looked him right in the eyeballs, been running for him for three and a half years. He said, I ain't the one causing trouble. He said, it's you and your mama. Hey, hang on, somebody! You can talk about me. You talk about my mama, huh? Get me out there on that, on that, on that playground. You can talk about my dog. You can talk about my sister. You can talk, but you talk about my mama. It's on. Elijah was trying to pick a fight. He said, it's you, your mama, your daddy, your whole family, everybody that's been running it. You've been the one cause of trouble. I need to tell somebody, listen to me. If you know a God-fearing person, you better cling on to them and hold on to them because there ain't many left in this world today. They're all running to Jezebel's table. They're all trying to get the kickbacks and get the big TV screens and get the big airplanes. You better find. Somebody who just falls on their face before God and says, "Let it rain." He runs over and tells Gehazi, "Say, so run up here and check and see if it's what you see." Gehazi runs up and he comes back down. <clears throat> I don't see nothing. He said, go check again. He does it seven times. On the seventh time, he comes back. Because before he sent him, Elijah said, most preachers say it like this. They say, Elijah said, I see an abundance. I see an abundance of rain. But the Bible never says he sees it. He says, I hear the sound. Listen to me. I hear the sound. If you get the world out of your ears, you'll be able to hear what God is saying. If the church would get the world out of their ears, they would understand there is a rumbling going on and there is a battle going on. There is a spiritual warfare going on. I've never seen a time when the politicians would get up and throw a fit because they wonder why that we want to turn a bill away that we live lived with for 50 years on Roe versus Wade I'll tell you why because it's fixing the rain and I'm telling you right now you better tell your trouble trouble it's about to rain and it's raining on you it ain't rained in a while we ain't had a holy ghost revival in a while but it's about to rain it's about to rain Said he come back. and Said I see a man's. I see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. <clears throat> the five prophetic ministries of the church God's bringing back. Amen. Listen to me. The five prophetic ministries of the church: the pastor, the apostle, the teacher, uh, the uh, my mind just slipped me, the evangelist, and prophet. He's bringing back to the setting. Listen, it's a cloud about the size of a man's hand. God says, we ain't going to do this TBN style no more. My God. We ain't going to do this your way anymore. We ain't going to do it this the app way. We ain't going to do this Facebook live way. Come on, somebody. He said, we're going to do it my way. We're going to bring back the prophetic, and it's going to run in the churches. I don't care if you're a Baptist, if you're a Methodist, if you're a Presbyterian. Come on, somebody. God ain't looking at your denomination. He's looking at somebody who is ready for the elite of the elite battle, and I need to tell somebody right now that can. not has always been on the forefront of revival and history will repeat itself and this time and this day and this hour we are on breeding grounds of miracle after miracle after miracle and we better get ready. This morning I got up and my spirit began to stir past around the in, please. My spirit just began to stir inside of me. I got up this morning early, before six o'clock. Laid there for a little while, about, about a little after six. I kind of got up and I looked outside and I seen that there was no clouds and the sun was shining. And I thought, hmm, be a good day to ride that Harley. And for about an hour, that's all I could think about. Seriously. I was getting stuff together and my spirit just slammed in in me and God said, you really going to think about you? Because mornings when I get up, I mean, I'm on my knees and I'm I'm praising God. I'm usually there by myself and I'm, 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 I'm gathering those things. But this morning I got distracted. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I don't care how strong of a Christian you think you are. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care if you was raised in it. I don't care if you're speaking in tongues in your mama's belly. <laughs> there will always come a day if you're not on guard that that enemy will sidetrack you. He'll woo you in. He'll lie to you. He'll tell you all about you. He tell you what you deserve. He tell you how you need to start feeling. He tell you it's time to take care of you. I don't care how long you've been saved. If you don't shake yourself and pull yourself together, you'll buy into that lie. <laughs> You'll buy into that lie. It's time we tell our trouble. It's fixing the rain. God ain't messing with you no more. I'm telling you right now, there is a significant power that God is doing. God is doing it now. And this is the time that He chose. He brought you through a pandemic. CNN, ABC, Fox—they all told you that you're gonna blah, die. That when you get this virus, you're probably not going to make it. That's all they had to say for most people to fall into the lie and to fall back and to get into fear and to fall down. But I'm telling you right now, thank God for the remnant. Thank God for those that stood up and said, "I know the truth," and they're lying to you. Jesus would have never brought you this far to drop you now. Come on, somebody. He didn't pick you up out of that miracle and drop you now. He didn't save you out of that bad marriage to drop you now. He didn't pull you out of that, that, that addiction to drop you now. Somebody needs to hear me because you need to tell your trouble. It's about to rain. about the rain, we're going to feel the rain, every head bowed, just for a minute, nobody looking around.